We are continuing our series, Prayer Changes Everything. And I didn't fix the slide. There's an extra I in there. I don't know if anyone noticed that. I did. <laughs> it's bothering me. Um, we've been kind of going through <coughs> the last two weeks, kind of presented that prayer is a good idea and that it's probably something that's really important that we need to take part in. The first week we talked about prayer as praise and thanksgiving. And the passage out of Luke 11 where Jesus says, Our Father, the reminder that God is close and intimate, we can have a relationship with Him, who art in heaven. But in the same sentence, identifying the fact that God is above and beyond. He's not like, He's not our homeboy. He's not, he's not, that, he's not that close. We can't start acting irreverent toward our God. But He is set apart. He is holy. He is awesome. He's powerful. And so, Yes, he is close and intimate and loves us, and we can come to him confidently, but he is still set apart, bigger, grander, and so we come to him with a reverence and a praise that, God, thank you so much that you are who you are, you do what you say you're going to do. Prayer as praise and thanksgiving. And last week, while we were all divided, uh, thank you everyone who braved the cold and did show up, um, a.k.a. you missed the memo. That's okay. We were here. We were glad to have you. Um, we talked about <clears throat> how prayer really does change everything and how God has chosen to wait for his people to pray. He's chosen to accomplish his will in this world through his people. And so we asked, if, does prayer change anything? Well, what if God's waiting for you to pray before he moves? What if he's waiting for you to press in before he accomplishes something? And, and so it comes to the James passage, you don't have because you don't ask. And so the encouragement last week was to keep asking, be persistent, don't just pray once and expect something to happen, but keep praying until something happens or until God says to hold off or to stop. Or God always answers our prayers, but sometimes we give up just short of the answer. So keep on praying, be persistent, but also keep on praying as in just don't limit yourself. Pray for everything. Just get God involved with everything that's going on, with every person, with every situation. Keep on praying, because if God is eager to answer our prayers, then why wouldn't we want Him to be involved in it? So the first two weeks kind of set up that prayer is important, that prayer is something we probably should do. And this morning, I want to suggest that it's not just something we should do, but actually you need to pray. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, it's not an optional thing. It's not a good dis discipline to grow in, but you need to pray. R.C. Sproul in his book, Does Prayer Change Anything, said that prayer is to the Christian what breath is to life. He would go on to say that <clears throat> everything you want to accomplish in your Christian life, whether it's growth, spiritual gifts, whatever it may be, all happens through the avenue of prayer. Does prayer change everything? Yeah, it really does. In fact, you need to be praying. So this morning, I'm going to give you eight reasons that I think you should be praying. It's all in the app with all the notes. So everyone who likes their like, handwrite, I got in trouble from my parents. I gave them too much the one Sunday, and they didn't keep up. So I gave it all to you. You don't have to write furiously. If you want to, you can but it's all in the app. I encourage you to get it so you can follow along, make notes as you want. Um, but eight reasons that I believe you need to pray. And what you're going to see this morning is they kind of build on each other. So we're going to start a very basic reason why you need to pray. And each one is going to build. And my encouragement as we go through this morning 
And we're going to close with me asking is, where are you on the progression? If this was a scale of 1 to 8, 8 being that you are at the highest level of your prayer life as you could be, 1 being you're just getting started, where are you on the progression? And I'm going to encourage you as we go through to be honest with yourself. As painful as that may be, as humbling as that may be, be honest with where you are because I have really good news about it when we get to the end. So, with all of that, eight reasons why you need to pray. Reason number one, prayer brings you back to God. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. James 4, 2 you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. James says we use the world's methods of accomplishing and gaining what we want, and all the while, all we had to do was ask God for it. At the first level of why we need to pray, Prayer is simply just us asking. It's a cry for help. And I was thinking about it, I, I related it to my relationship with my son. So my son is two years old. He is learning to talk quite well. But the vast majority of my conversation, like we are not changing the world with the conversations I'm having with my two-year-old. The sum total of everything my son wants to talk about is, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I need a snack. Dad, I'm, I'm thirsty. Dad, I'm poopy. Go talk to your mom. Uh, Dad, I, right, like his, he comes to me because he wants something. And it's not a bad thing. We don't like criticize the two-year-old for like, come on, why aren't we talking about deep theological things? No, he's two. He's learning. And as we grow in our prayer life, we start as an infant. We start young. And so prayer starts off as this, God, Daddy, I need something. Dad, I need help with my finances. Daddy, I need help with my health. I need help with this relationship. God, I need something. And what happens is, is it is so contrary to our sinful nature. And back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they were spending time with God. God would have shown him the mysteries of the universe in the time together. And what did they do? They took matters in their own hands. They were deceived by the snake, they ate the fruit, and they took the shortcut to achieve it. Our sinful nature draws us away from not only God, but from community. That we are self-made individuals. We don't need no man, we don't need nobody, we, we're going to do it on our own. And what prayer starts to do is undo that sinful tendency and say, I need you, God. I need my faith community. I, we are designed for community. We're designed to rely on one another. We're designed to rely on our God. And so prayer starts off by drawing us back and saying, God, I need you. I need you to move in this. And the more we ask, the more we seek, it brings us to reason number two. Prayer grows your faith in God. <laughs> the more we pray, what happens? We start to see God answering our prayers. And as God answers our prayers, what happens in us? We start to trust Him more. Our confidence grows. Our faith grows. We start to realize that we can come to God about anything and everything, and He is going to answer us. And just like my son, I don't say yes to everything. That would just corrupt the poor little dude. I have to say no every once in a while. But he understands 
But do you think no stops him from asking? Do you mind how many times he has heard no? Do you know what he keeps doing? He keeps asking. He keeps coming. Dad, I really need a snack. Later, dude. Just wait. No, we just had lunch. Right, right? But like, no doesn't stop him. He just keeps coming. And when Jesus talks about a childlike faith, that's what they're talking about. Don't let, we, you know, just because God said no once doesn't mean it's a no forever. Keep asking. Keep coming. Because God, God may say yes. It's just about timing. It's about the bigger picture. But the more we hear yes, we start to realize that God loves us. He cares for us. We, we learn things about God the more we ask. We learn things about God in the way that he answers our prayers because we understand that there's more going on. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven six. it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We, our faith grows we understand who god is and as we learn more and more who god is by the way that we pray and the things that we ask we get to reason number three prayer helps you love and have fellowship with god prayer helps you love and fellowship with god Because what we discover, the more we go to God, the more we make our requests, the more we ask Him for stuff, we start to realize that God is so much more than a cosmic vending machine. We discover that we have a Father who wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to talk to us. We're not the ones doing all the talking. He actually wants to talk back. He actually wants to have a relationship. He actually wants to see us grow, and we can actually grow in this fellowship. And the more that He talks, and the more we draw near, the more we start to love and connect with them. Hebrews 11:5 It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Enoch connected with God in a deep way. John 17:3 This is the way you have eternal life to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. It's not about knowing about God, but it's about knowing God. It's about having that relationship, that intimacy with Him. And as we draw near to Him and we, that relationship begins to grow and we draw more into, our pre- into His presence, what we discover is that prayer starts to change you. It's amazing. Isaiah 6, G- <clears throat> Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah comes into the presence. He, we see, have this great picture of him in the temple of God, and he sees the angels and the cherubim and the, the, the robe, and he goes around, I am a sinful person. God, here I am, send me. By just being in God's presence, he starts to have his desires change. Psalm 73, David is praying about why are the wicked prospering? And by the end of Psalm 73, he's repenting by saying, God, I'm sorry for this bad perspective that I had. I'm sorry for having such a limited view and complaining like this because, God, you've got this all in control. Our perspective changes. We start to see things from God's perspective, not our own. Our understanding begins to change. Acts 10, Peter is praying and meditating he has this vision of this sheet and it's about 
Peter thinks it's about animals, but what he discovers is that God is changing his perspective of the Gentiles. That salvation is not just for the Jews, but salvation is for the Gentiles. And God has opened the door for him to preach and to share and to see the Holy Spirit move amongst those who are not God's chosen people. Peter's understanding changes. Everything about us starts to change, and as these things start to change, reason number five, prayer helps us resist temptation. Ephesians 6, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent (coughs) in your prayers for all believers. We have a spiritual enemy who is out to kill and kill steal and destroy and he's not just out to get you he's out to get your family he's out to get your neighbors he's out to get everyone who may come close to a relationship with god and as we draw near to prayer and god gives us god makes us righteous and he gives us truth and salvation becomes our helmet and peace becomes our our footing all these great and amazing things that you do not accomplish on your own, but God gives you freely, become the armor that helps us resist the temptation, becomes the armor and the strength that we need to resist the schemes of the devil. We, God gives it to us. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to seek it. You don't have to earn it. You just have to keep coming to him, praying to him, growing in that relationship, and God starts to develop these things in you. God makes you righteous. God gives you salvation. God gives you the truth. He gives you the spirit. Your faith grows. And all of these great, wonderful, rich treasures just happen to be the very thing that strengthen us against the devil. As you change, you become more resistant to temptation. You become more aware that it is not flesh and blood we're working against. It's this spiritual enemy who is trying to thwart the kingdom and the plans of Almighty God. And so as we grow in this relationship, and as we grow in our understanding, we grow in our ability to resist and fight back against these things that are going on. And as we continue to grow... we start to realize that God, prayer enables us to take God's presence with us. In the Hearing God seminar, one of the things that Pastor Ray said was, we can't always take our Bible with us, but if we, always, if we limit ourselves to God only speaks to us when we have our Bible, we're going to be missing out. And what we start to learn is that God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us goes with us, and God continues to speak. He continues to lead and to guide, and we become... And I, I was talking to someone the other day. Um, I was trying to find a better word. I've been saying carriers of God's Spirit. And after COVID, that just feels like a disease thing. Like God's Holy Spirit, a disease that we carry with us. But in, if you think about it, it's the best kind of disease. Because I actually want you to catch the Holy Spirit. I actually want it to be contagious. I actually want you to experience His presence. So carrier, yeah, it's kind of got a weird connotation. But I kind of like it. But we become, we, we take God's presence with us in every situation. You are no longer alone. You don't face the struggles. You don't face the battles. You don't face those hard conversations or those situations that work alone. You take the very presence of God with you in everything. And I kind of got ahead of myself, but that's okay. Which brings us to the seventh thing. The seventh reason is as you begin to pray, you begin to pray that God's kingdom would advance. 
That it's not just me being the carrier, but God, I want your presence to take root in my coworkers. I want your presence to take root in my family. I want your presence to take root in my, my job. I want your presence to take root in my school. I want to see your kingdom come. James talks about Elijah in this way. Elijah was as human as we are, yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, the sky went, sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Elijah prayed, and God moved heaven and earth. God stopped rain for three and a half years because Elijah prayed. And what was he trying to accomplish? An idol had taken up residence in his nation, and he was trying to break the idol He was trying to remove the idol so that God could sit on the throne of his nation. The goal that Elijah was trying to accomplish was that his kingdom would be established in Israel. And so he prayed because Baal and Ashtoreth were supposed to be gods of rain and harvest and prosperity. And all of a sudden, it's all gone. That's ironic. Well, it's not because they are false gods and we serve the true God. And so God used the drought and used the dry years to break the confidence in Baal so that they were open to when Elijah did the great thing on Mount Carmel and they could put their faith in the true God. Because God shows himself powerful. He shows himself faithful. And so we pray and we believe that God's kingdom would advance. And Jesus taught us to pray that way. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's right in the very words that Jesus used to teach us to pray. But it doesn't just stop with us praying that God's kingdom would advance, which brings us to our last reason. You begin to pray about your role in the kingdom. Because eventually what happens is you want to see the kingdom advance, but you want to get off the off the bench and into the game. God, I want to see your kingdom advance, so what is my role? This was Isaiah's heart, right? His desires changed. He went from being sinful to being wanting what God wanted, and God, here I am, send me. What is my role? How do I play my part? What, how can you use me? How can I be active in this responsibility of seeing the kingdom come? And as we pray this way, we start to realize that we are becoming these imitators of Christ that Paul often writes about in the New Testament. We are called as disciples to imitate our Lord and Savior, to imitate the one who set us free, because if he lived the perfect life, I want my life to replicate his. So we become imitators, and we look at the story of Jesus. What did he pray? God, your kingdom come. What did he do? He did everything to see the kingdom advanced. And so this is the epitome of our growth as disciples and as followers as we get to this point where our, des- our desires have changed, our passions have changed, our hopes have changed, and now we pray, as Mark Batterson says, we pray like it depends on God and we work like it depends on us. So we get in the game, we become active participants in seeing the kingdom advanced, advanced in our community, advanced in our towns, in our province, in our nation. God, what is my role? And, and this is so important. Um, I had a conversation with someone, and they said they, they're feeling convicted, they're feeling guilty. They feel like every time they show up at church that there's this expectation to serve. Well, it's not really an expectation. You don't have to serve. You get to serve. 
You get to be a part of what God is doing in our town. You get to be a part of what God is doing in Red Rift. You get to be a part of what God is doing in our kids' lives and the youth lives and, and marriages' lives and our men's lives. You get to. You get to. God is going to do something amazing, and you get to be a part of it. You don't have to. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a privilege. You are part of the kingdom advancement team, so pray accordingly, but not only pray accordingly, act accordingly, speak accordingly, believe accordingly, get into the game. And so my question for you this morning I gave you the eight things. I was going to put it up on the slide, but then I put it on the table for you. Eight reasons why you need to pray. And my question for you this morning is, where are you? If this is a scale of one to eight, where is your prayer life? And like I said at the beginning, be honest with yourself. I'm reading a book about leadership and resilience, and one of the hardest things for us to do as just people is to admit that I don't know. Or to admit that we're not where we want to be. But if you are willing to accept where you are on the scale, it opens you up for the opportunity to grow, to develop, to see your prayer life become all that it's meant to be. And so this morning what you're going to do is I'm going to invite you to take some time and I'm going to invite you to pray about where you are. And you might be at stage one. That's okay. Then you just start Praying at that stage, God, I need you to move in this. God, I, you just start asking. Because the beautiful thing about this progression is that it doesn't rely on you. It's completely a work of the Holy Spirit. All God's asking you to do is come. Come to me. Pray. Connect to me as your Father. And watch the great and marvelous things I'm going to accomplish in you. I'm going to change your desires. I'm going to give you the strength to resist temptation. I'm going to give you the strength to resist the devil. I'm going to give you all these things you need to grow to become the son and daughter that I've called you to be. All you need to do, and I emphasize the need, all you need to do is pray. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go to the tables. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor and the gift that prayer is. That you are the great omega, alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. <coughs> and you get to call you Father. So God, wherever we are in our prayer life, I pray that we would just be people who come and connect with you and ask of you, ask you to move, ask you to do what only you can do. God, that as we grow in our prayer, that we would become these, these instruments of kingdom advancement. And God, I thank you that there's no expectation. You don't, have to pray, you don't have to grow at a certain rate. We take our time because you see us for who we are. You see us as the individuals that we are. And you are going to walk with us at the pace we need to walk at. God, increase our hunger for prayer. Increase our need for faithfulness. Increase this desire that God, prayer becomes as vital to us as breath itself. Jesus, you said that your house would be, your temple would be a house of prayer. And so God, I pray that our lives would be rich and radiant with the prayer that you have called us to.
Make us into people of prayer, God. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.